0: Hey there, this is Meg, I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days, Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide the services for you. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for mental health professionals and those who work in the helping professions. My name is Meg. I'm your host. Uh, today is a solo episode. It's going to be brief. I don't want to take a whole lot of time today, but there is a topic that I find important to talk about. So we're just going to dive right in. We're not going to do a whole lot of fluff. Um, today's episode, I am talking about why I think it's important to talk about burnout in a public way and why I've chosen to do that and um, in, you know, a very public format, which is podcasting. So the question is, why talk about burnout? And the big picture why the big picture answer to that is because it affects everybody. Uh, We often think about burnout as primarily affecting the worker and probably, you know, the clients that they're working with, there is some risk of harm uh, in the working relationship if burnout is not recognized and not um, kind of, you know, if the worker doesn't take steps themselves to uh, intervene on that burnout. But the fact of the matter is burnout affects way more than just the worker and just the client. So first of all, of course, it affects the person doing the work. I think a lot of us are really familiar with you know, the common signs and symptoms of burnout, uh, exhaustion, fatigue, pessimism, cynicism, low motivation to go to work, just generally like you're not feeling super hot about the work that you're doing, uh, even if it is a line of work that you find incredibly important and that you have uh, either currently have or have had a lot of passion for. Uh, Going down the line, you know, next would be the clients that, Counselors and therapists and social workers and case managers, and all these folks that we're working with, our burnout can absolutely impact those people. Um, A lot of the time, when we talk about this in, say, grad school and continuing education, in consultation, supervision, all that kind of stuff, a lot of it really is focused on the impact that our burnout has on our clients, primarily in the sphere of. Uh, the potential to cause harm to the therapeutic relationship. So what this can look like is, you know, the the quality of services that are provided by a burnt out worker are prone to uh, to suffering, right? Like the quality may go down. And it's understandable that if somebody who is, you know, by the nature of their job, needing to be present and empathetic and open and non-judgmental If they're experiencing burnout and they're in a state of being frustrated and cynical uh, and just generally exhausted, pessimistic, zoning out, it's going to be really hard to meet those expectations for the job. Um, What this can end up looking like is, you know, a client may just not find the services very helpful. They may find that they're not making progress toward their goals in the way that they'd like to be. Um, They may find that the connection that they have with their therapist uh, becomes a little tenuous or it's not serving their needs anymore. Um, And it goes all the way down to the other end of the spectrum, which is there may be actual harm to the client uh, that is... That is a result of the burnt out therapist not being able to perform their job the way that they need to. Um, So what this might look like is a therapist either not seeing or not wanting to act on um, obvious signs of imminent risk to this client uh, due to the fact that they're burned out and either just really not able to see it or in a place mentally where they just they don't want to deal with it. What happens then, especially if you are, well, in any setting, really, whether you're a private practice, community mental health, nonprofit, whatever it may be, when the therapeutic relationship suffers because of burnout, client retention suffers. So therapists may start seeing their caseloads dwindling, which can perpetuate uh, the financial stress that comes with the work um, already which may further kind of push them down that line of burnout and frustration and just becoming generally um, disillusioned with the work itself. Uh, If you're working with an agency or some place where client retention is essential for the bottom line health of your business, burnt out workers, um, they can create an environment where services provided to clients suffer and therefore clients seek care elsewhere and that harms the business which leads me to the second point your business if you are a business owner may suffer very likely will suffer if you have burnt out workers and there is not anything put into place to help those those workers come out of burnout what this might look like is the, the opinion that the community has about your business or the services you provide will start to suffer. You know, people people talk. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are in a large uh, urban setting or if you are in a small rural setting or anywhere in between. One of the most powerful uh, tools that a business has, especially a business that provides direct services to the public is the the good word of the people who are receiving your services. And so if your clients start having negative or unhelpful interactions with therapists who work at your business, or whoever it may be, direct service professionals, if the client's interactions are not positive, or they're not helpful, or they're actually harmful, people in the community are going to hear about that they're going to understand that the services provided by your business are not the quality that they would want to look for in their time of greatest need. This can also lead to high turnover of staff. So when staff start getting burned out, it may look like you know there's a trickle of people leaving. Um, I've definitely heard of situations where there's a mass exit multiple people leaving within a couple weeks time, couple months time. So the remaining folks who are probably already burning out or getting there are now suffering because, you know, those caseloads hopefully will go somewhere. Um, You know, if clients don't choose to just leave because their burnt out therapist has left the organization. um, Once again, this, this creates this whole cycle where you know, these big caseloads, high productivity standards are crushing the therapists who are then burning out, who are providing lower than high quality care to the clients that you're serving. Those clients leave or if they can't leave, they generally don't have a very positive opinion about the business itself, which when you when your turnover is high, uh, that's really if we're, t- if we're talking strictly from a business standpoint that's really expensive for you as a business to constantly be recruiting training hiring and then having people quit it's really not a great it's not a great thing for any business to have high turnover um, so this whole cycle that starts like it's kind of a chicken and egg situation particularly in agencies um, I know that situations are different for folks who are in group practices or solo practice. But particularly when it comes to agency work, there's this kind of like perfect storm of expectations from the higher ups, pressures being placed on middle management and supervisors, which is then forced downward onto the therapists who are crushed by the weight of those productivity standards who want to do the best work that they can possibly do but feel like the environment and the expectations can make it feel almost impossible and all of that is translated down into the care that is being provided to the people who come to your business to be taken care of beyond that burnout doesn't just affect the worker the clients and your business It affects people outside of your business, too. So I'm going to venture a guess that most of the people who work for your business have some kind of family or friendship or other connections outside of their work. Those people who are connected to your workers are not necessarily spared the negative effects of the burnout that your workers are experiencing. In my personal experience, and I've had a chance to talk to my own partner about this, burnout for me looked like being not as present in my home life. I would come home late and I would be upset or I'd be stressed out or I couldn't handle anything except a dark, quiet room. I wasn't able to help out with household tasks. I wasn't able to help out with um, kind of step parenting, co-parenting duties. I wasn't even really able to enjoy the downtime that we had designated for ourselves as a family. And so those relationships outside of your business, the relationships that your workers have with people in the community suffer. That means that children and partners and parents and friends and pets, they all get some of the brunt of this burnout because the worker is bringing it home. Another big reason that I think is really important about talking about burnout, um, and I've talked about this before, is there's still a large amount of stigma around the subject. And so I want to be clear and kind of clarify what I mean by that. So I have seen a lot of um, mental health workers and people in the social services Willing to admit and acknowledge the, the severity of burnout in general. You know, burnout as a concept. It is something that is, um, it's not good for the profession. It's not good for the clients. It's not good for the community. Uh, what I have noticed additionally, though, is I think the tides are changing, but there's still many, many people who are legitimately concerned and even afraid to share their personal experiences with burnout and for good reason. So I've heard, I mean, I've, I've talked with people, um, you know, off the mic, on the mic. I've talked with people on social media. I've talked to colleagues, um, f- uh, former um, classmates that I've had, I've had all sorts of conversations with people all across the spectrum of services here. And the, the prevailing sentiment is, it's scary to share this stuff out loud. Um, we can share it to some degree, maybe in our supervision relationships. If we have a good relationship with a supervisor who we're not fearful, will um, look down on our work or you know mark us as a liability um and this is especially difficult for folks who get their supervision at the organizations where they're employed all of that can create an environment where it's really hard to say out loud you know i'm i'm struggling right now uh and the fear for a lot of people is uh, there's a there's a lot that goes into it right so there is um there's a fear of having your professional reputation damaged by admitting to um, suffering from um, suffering from that cynicism or feeling unmotivated to do the work, or admitting that your work makes you exhausted mentally and physically. There is fear of retaliation. So if you speak up in your organization, a lot of people have reason to fear that, upper management or supervisors or managers will come at them and it's not going to necessarily end up in the favor of the worker. Uh, There is definitely fear of either not being believed or having your burnout symptoms be invalidated by the people who are supposed to be uh, kind of helping protect you against that or support you through that. Um, This might look like well, you know, I, I hear that you're really tired, but we still need to meet these productivity standards and like and you need to do it. Or I know that you're you're needing a mental health day, but you can't take the day off unless you have coverage. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I was told to just make a self-care plan for the weekend, even though I was still supposed to be on call for the weekend. So there's this fear that even if we speak up and say something to the people who are managing us or who we have a professional relationship with, they'll either kind of cast it aside, they won't believe it, or it'll be somehow invalidated. And then there's that big level of concern of what if I lose my job? Um, What if the people who manage me or employ me or who work alongside me, um, hear that I I might be burning out and decide that I can't I can't be there anymore it's better for me to just keep it inside and try to work this out either on my own or with my own therapist or whatever it may be and to just not let those folks know that something's going on Um, there are a few reasons that I think we as a profession struggle with this I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Uh, I have done an episode on some of the internal messages we might be giving ourselves that can contribute to or exacerbate um, burnout symptoms, but there are some bigger systemic issues and systemic beliefs and cultural beliefs about the work that we do that have a direct impact on, um, on our experiences of burnout. So... A big part of it that I've heard and seen and heard from other people is that we as a profession in the social services, helping fields, as much as we'd like to be able to say we don't do this, um, I think there are a lot of folks who say that we should just be able to handle it, Um, that it's very much an individual concern that needs to be managed by the individual only and that they need to make self-care plans and that they need to make sure that, you know, they're advocating for mental health days, even if, you know, the organization where they work makes it very difficult to advocate for those needs and get them met. Um, so we, we tell ourselves both internally and externally that we should be able to handle it. Uh, one of the things that I've heard in a couple of places of work and broadly, um, you know, from from lay people, outside consumers, all this kind of stuff, is that some people are just not built for the work that we do. And I think that's a really, a really damaging way to look at being a helper. Um, There may be some types of work that are better suited for different types of personalities, or working styles, that can be true. Um, But to just flat out say that you burnt out because you can't handle it, that is hugely invalidating uh, for every worker who has probably internally put in a shit ton of work trying to be the best person for the job. And when they experience burnout or frustration or exhaustion, or feeling like they can't, they can't keep going the way they're going to just be told, well, you're just not built for it. Some people can't handle it. It feels so exclusionary and Toxic and shitty. I just, I can't get behind that. Um, and the last thing that I want to kind of hit on a, a cultural belief and a professional system wide belief, which I've mentioned before and I'm super thankful is changing slowly but surely, is the idea that um, professional helpers such as therapists and social workers and case managers. Um, school counselors whatever role you may be that we we shouldn't be in it for the money which is just fucking absurd to me right like what other professional healthcare position would we ever imagine saying that to we would we would never say that to a surgeon a, a, a family doctor a dentist we wouldn't say that to an optometrist we wouldn't say that to literally anybody else but we say it to ourselves we tell ourselves that we shouldn't expect to make a living that is suitable just to even meet our own needs even though this is a line of work with a lot of gatekeeping and um, you know loops that we have to go through and, and hoops to jump through like there's so much that stands between us and our licenses, I'm not saying I'm 100% against licenses. I know that there are really good reasons for some of the things that we have to do. But to say that, well, you should go through three or four or five or six years of schooling and you should spend tens of thousands of dollars and thousands of hours. Usually, you know, you're, you're paying to study and you're paying for the internship. You're paying for the opportunity literally in your time and your energy and your money you must do all of those things and then you have to spend an additional two to four years being supervised during which time you're going to make shit pay and you're going to be given the hardest work you know you shouldn't expect to be paid much though because the the good feeling that you get helping other people is benefit enough and that just it pisses me off on so many levels because, again, we would never tell any other healthcare professional that the benefit of helping others should be enough to turn, you know, keep their lights on or, you know, supplement their child's uh, health care and schooling costs. Like it's it just I don't know why it is the way it is, but that's the way it is. Um, But another reason that it pisses me off, and this is on a larger systemic uh, level here, is that when we are told by society that, you know, oh, therapists and mental health workers and social workers, they're in it for the greater good, they're not in it for the money, if you go into that line of work, you're not going to make good money, so just be prepared for it. This perpetuates the idea of saviorism and martyrdom that creates way more harm than good. Like if you're coming at this work from the perspective of being a martyr to the services and being a martyr to your clients and being their savior, you're participating knowingly or unknowingly in just a a lot of really problematic lines of thinking and ways of behaving towards the people that you're working with. Uh, Because that ultimately undermines their, their ability to um, direct their own lives. You know, we're we're not stepping into most of these folks lives as the one who's going to fix their problems. But when we're told that we should be doing it for the benefit of helping other people, and that's that is the biggest and brightest benefit and that we shouldn't expect to be compensated fairly and that we shouldn't expect to be paid what we're worth for the time that we've had to uh, go through education and internships and supervised experience. It creates this whole sensation where if I ask for what I'm worth, I'm a selfish person. I must not be doing this for the right reason. So my, my work probably isn't actually doing any good. It also creates this cultural idea of if a therapist does ask for what they're worth, they're seen as money-grubbing, you know, just like bad therapists. They're bad providers of care because they want to be able to provide for themselves. And this goes, this just goes further into when a therapist is in a place where they're not feeling taken care of, financially, emotionally, mentally, professionally, whatever it may be, that's not going to help with burnout, it's probably going to make it worse. So it's there's this whole big old cycle where we're told we, we shouldn't expect to make money. It creates a, 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 an internal sense of being a savior. This goes down the line to affect us directly in the work that we're doing because we're tired, we're under-resourced, we are, you know, pulled from every direction. It hurts the clients that we're working with. The very people who we are trying to be there for end up getting tired, angry, frustrated workers who at best just give subpar care and at the worst do actual harm. This hurts businesses. It hurts the opinion of the business that is providing the service. People start to look elsewhere. And beyond that, the families of the workers suffer the, the community where this, the workers live suffer. And you know what? the families of the clients probably suffer as well because the clients are not able to get the care that they signed up to receive. That's a whole lot. Um, I feel like I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes. Um, But those are some of the big reasons why I think it's really important that this conversation is made public and that people are able to share in their comfort zone their experiences of burnout or their expertise when it comes to burnout. You know, maybe you have done research or maybe you have supervised people through the experience of being burned out. Um, Keeping this public as with many conversations around mental health and mental health stigma, um, making it public and having people listen and encouraging people to share will hopefully only help us in the long run um so what i'll say about that uh kind of as a an invitation if you're listening to this podcast um i know i went over the the reasons that people feel hesitant to share and i i honor that there there's no part of me that um would look to somebody and say well you just don't be scared You shouldn't be scared of retaliation or you shouldn't be scared of losing your job because you know your situation better than I do. You have probably a much better idea of the culture of your workplace or your supervisor or whatever it is you're doing. You have a better understanding of the potential implications of sharing. However, if you're in a place where that is something you feel called to do, I would like to call you in. I'd like to invite you to either come on the show as a guest and talk with me about what it's been like for you. Um, if getting on the show is not your thing, you don't want to speak necessarily publicly, but you still want your story to be known, I'd like to start invite inviting people to share their stories anonymously. So that would be, you know, either direct messaging me on social media or emailing me um, and sharing your story in the way that you need to. And I would in return, read that story to the listeners here, taking away any identifying information, taking out your name, your location, your place of work, but just letting your story be heard. So that's, that's what I have to say about that. Um, If you're feeling in any way inspired to contribute to the conversation or engage in uh, advocacy work around supporting mental health workers for the benefit of literally everybody, I would encourage you to reach out to me. Um, Send me an email. You can email me at mentalstatuspod at gmail.com. You can also find me at mental status pod on Instagram. Um there's a variety of different ways that you can get in touch and I I welcome it. Um I I just want to hear from people. Um so yeah that's what I got. Oh, once again I'm a wordy person. I talked more than I thought I should, but it's okay. I got it out. <laughs> there it is. Um I hope you enjoyed this this bonus episode. Let me know what you think. And I will talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I hope that whoever or wherever you are, you can start having more conversations in your circles of support about better ways to support ourselves and to support each other through burnout. If you like today's show, please make sure to head over to wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you left a rating and a review on there to help get the word out. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, I would absolutely love to have you join the Mental Status Patreon community, which is now officially open. When you join Patreon, you'll get access to a supportive community of like-minded mental health professionals, where I will be offering a ton of high-quality, deeper-dive content related to burnout, with everything from patron-exclusive podcast episodes and monthly webinars, to access to the Mental Status Facebook community, Q&A sessions, and more. To join the Patreon community, head on over to patreon.com mentalstatuspod, and pick the level of support that fits best for you. Again, that is patreon.com slash mental status pod. Thanks so much, y'all. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I will see you again soon.